Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Okay, here we go. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Stephen Green here. I got a guest today, Jeff. Jeff Snavely. If you are an entrepreneur, you want to focus on what we're going to talk about the next half hour or so. Jeff supports entrepreneurs. He has recently published a book called Disruptive Discovery. I'm covering the stuff that really matters. And I think you're going to really enjoy what he has to say. Let me, let me uh, welcome Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm great. Uh, good to see you, Dr. Green. Um, thank you for having me. It's always an honor to be a guest on on any podcast. I'm I'm continually amazed that anybody wants to hear what I have to say. But uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the conversation. Hopefully, you'll feel the same way when we get done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, l- listen. Let, let me let, let me let me do a little bit of sort of a commercial for the podcast real quick. This is the Make the Great Podcast. Our mission is very simple. I want to provide entrepreneurs, I want to provide parents of students, I want to provide students themselves with actions, advice, strategies, game plan, you name it, objectives that they can use to accelerate themselves on the path to success. And what better way to have an author, when did you publish your book? Uh, the release date was uh, mid-October of, of 2021. So just a few so months. So it's ago. about six months ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So l- let's let's jump right into it, okay? Um, you are a business owner yourself. So you're writing this from the uh, kind of not autobiographical first-person perspective, right? So this is what I know about Jeff. Who wants to hear it? I do. I do. Okay. <laughs> so Jeff Snavely, where, where are you from, Jeff? I should. So I live in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, okay. You know, I was born in North Carolina, grew up okay. in, in Delaware and uh, went to, went to North Carolina That's State right. University. So I've got, I got a little Northerner in me, got a little Southern in me, but I'm a, I'm a midnight bleeding, midnight green bleeding Philadelphia Eagles there fan. You go. Now we're talking. Yeah, we have that in common, right? We'll have to get a little Eagles fight song going before the, uh, before it ascends. I would love that. Let me put that in my notes here. Eagles fight song. Okay. I think I actually got it in my queue. Okay. So listen, Jeff Snavely, a well-intentioned contrarian who passionately embraces his why of being a positive difference maker in the lives of people so that they feel motivated become the best possible versions of themselves. I love this. A proven business leader, property investor, part-time, or sorry, part owner of a commercial floor and textile care company. Yep. Yep. He goes beyond writing about disruptive discovery by constantly practicing his own method. He's carved out a career as a professional, business professional first and foremost, several leadership roles, entrepreneur part-time at EBC Carpet. I take it that's your floor cleaning company and so on. It's worked for large companies in corporate America. So, so the question would be, why write a book? Sounds like you're a busy guy, right? And uh, what, 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 what motivated you to, to write the book? And, and, and sort of part B of the question is, why, why, why disruptive discovery? That's yeah. that title. So I'll answer the first question uh, about why, right? Um, mm-hmm. Why write a book? And um, 
I did it as a way to bring my why to life. And how's that, how's that for an answer? Right. I, that, that doesn't, that, I that, get it, that, I get it. I, I've been there. I get it. Well, yeah. And explain and how, What does that mean to you? Yeah. So I, uh, I'm a big Simon Sinek start with why guy. I, and, and if you've read start with why, you know, you, you understand what I'm talking about. If not, I, I highly recommend uh, anyone in your audience read start with why, or if you want a little, you know, kind of toe in the water before you do that, there's a Ted talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, if you just do a search for Simon Sinek golden circle. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's it, it, uh, that book um, for me was, was a life changer because what, what, what he talks about is this idea of, of individuals and businesses finding their greater purpose. Um, and, and that really resonated with me. And as a result of reading that book years ago, I went on my own sort of personal quest to craft my own why statement and my golden circle. And, and for me, that why statement is, and you just, you just read it in the bio, it's to make a positive difference in the lives of people so that they feel motivated to be the best possible version of themselves. And you go, well, that sounds great, but how the heck do you do that? And so that's where the book yeah. comes in. You know, so the book's uh, this thick. The book's uh, fourteen inches right, thick. Right, but it, you know, so decades of of learnings and experiences and observations. I I kept notes on this stuff back. You know, when I first started in corporate America, right out of college, I just I really became so interested in in sort of why people what they do and, and this idea of, of trying to help people. And I, and I kept notes, physical notes for a while, then electronic notes, and then you just have all this stuff in your head. And um, so, a couple of years ago, I I started writing an outline, and then sort of fell in love with the writing process, and and it ultimately became a book. But the reason I did it was a, was a it was a way that I could create a vehicle to bring that why to life in terms of helping people to become the best possible version of themselves. And I, and I wrote it for, you know, certain target audiences, business leaders, sales professionals, coaches, consultants, and really anyone who advises other people about life or work. And you think about that with your audience being entrepreneurs, I mean, what entrepreneur doesn't wear at least one of those hats, if uh, not all. Of those hats. I, I would argue eight or ten, but yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Get your point. So I, I do think you know it's it's uh it could be a helpful resource for for business owners, entrepreneurs, um, mm-hmm. and and um, you know that was uh, uh, the so, the feedback. So can, we get, can we get a little specific? Can you list maybe yeah. as many as you want, but one or two specific things? that you think the book might teach somebody. I, I got a lot of new entrepreneurs. I got a lot of wannabe entrepreneurs. I got a lot of students that listen to this and say, I, I, it sounds so cool. It's almost this romantic notion of being an entrepreneur and running your business until you realize it's a lot of hard work and not always fun, hard work, but the, the reward, the pot of the rainbow, the rainbow at the end of the um, river, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow could be worth it. But what, what are a few specific things? What are a few ways that your book, Disruptive Discovery, can help entrepreneurs? If yeah, you, you know, so, want to give away to shop here. But. No, no, I'm I'm happy to do it because again, the, the the purpose is to help people. So whether that be through mm-hmm. this conversation or actually reading the book itself, that's that's really what I want to do. Disruptive Perfect. discovery is it's a facilitation model, 
It is a process for people to use as a way to sort of, you know, uh, break through the surface of understanding to get to the stuff that really matters because the stuff that matters is what's actionable. And I know you talk about to your audience, this idea of, of, of taking action and, and, and um, uh, putting things into motion. And I, 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 I connect with that. And, and to me, you know, you, in order to do that, you got to make sure you're focusing on the right things. And, and those are the, the things that matter. So, so again, mm-hmm. it is a process and that's what the book walks you through. And it, it starts with, establishing trust. And, and uh, you know, what is the definition of trust? Because I think trust is a very, very, very misunderstood, misunderstood concept. So we talk about what is trust? How do you build trust? How do you maintain trust? How do you rebuild it if it's lost? And that's kind of the over, uh, overarching theme uh, throughout the book. Um, and then it, 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 it takes you through this idea of um, surface discovery, you know, because you do need to understand those things that are on the surface and how do you do that? There are certain types of questions you ask, listening skills. But then from there, to be able to take that and shift into disruptive discovery, to transition into that type of process that really does start to uncover those things. What, what do you mean better. by that? I don't know if that's something you coined yourself or if that's a a kind of a business term, but what do you mean by that? What is well, your definition of disruptive discovery? Yeah. So that's, you know, one of the things I do early in the book is I give my definition of, of, um, of discovery, which is just to sort of uncover something new. And mm-hmm. then I talk about disruption and a lot of people look at disruption as a negative thing, you know um, you know, whether it be a natural disaster or, you know, an annoying coworker in a, in a meeting who's, who's being disruptive and, and, you know, growing up as kids, teachers didn't use the term disruption, uh, in, in a positive way, but yeah, think about, something got in the way of something productive, right? Yeah. But, but think about, you know, throughout in our world, all the amazing things that that are the result of some type of a disruptive breakthrough you know whether it be you know take the internet for example is is a great example of that all the things that apple has done with a lot of their innovations those are disruptive technologies and that and certainly you know very very positive right so so um the idea of disruptive discovery of uncovering those things that are new but that can make a difference that can make an impact um, that's that's really the idea of it. And the the heart of the book is what I call the 10 questions that matter, right? And um, each of those 10 questions has a chapter dedicated to it. And it, and it talks about, um, you know, what is the question has kind of a setup. And then why would you ask it? When would you ask it? How would you ask it? And then what are some examples of, of, um, of the question and, and, and uh, what it might look like in practice? So that's 10 of the chapters, are, are, it's a deeper dive into each of those 10 questions that matter. But, but for, you know, for a business owner, for an entrepreneur, for a leader, this process, this method is really a way to help other people, um, whether it be with problem solving, uh, whether it be that you're trying to, you know, help them improve in a development area, it's it's a uh, a method you use with them to help them uncover those things that are going to take them from where they are 
their current state to where they want to be, their aspirational state. And, uh, and, and so that's, you know, I'm, I'm probably telling you more than you want to know, but that is, mm-hmm. um, that is the, the, uh, the idea, the concept, the model in, in a nutshell. Well, here's what I hear a lot. Cause I, I have a workshop, which is entitled the day in the life of an entrepreneur. Mm. And uh, this, there may be some ways we can partner together on this, Jeff, but the, the workshop really addresses something I know you're familiar with, which is what do you really got to do in a day? If you're an entrepreneur, you got to wear, as you like to put it, and I agree with you, a lot of the hats. Yep. Sometimes you got to be an accountant. Sometimes you got to be a bookkeeper. Sometimes you got to be a scheduler. Sometimes you got to do promotion. Oh, sometimes you got to be a social media manager. Sometimes you got to be an engineer. Sometimes you got to be uh, a, a banker. I mean, there's all these things you got to do. Some people enjoy the process, but don't really enjoy all these other things mm-hmm. they have to do. Now, until they can afford to delegate or hire other people or, you know, it isn't like their sister-in-law to be their accountant, not there's anything wrong with sister-in-law. So I'm just saying you want a professional because that's what I tend to happen. You know, who did your books? Well, my, my sister had a friend and she took an accounting course in college and she did my taxes for me. I mean, that's not really what I'm talking about, but how important is it? to and this i think is where a lot of there's a challenge for entrepreneurs and a lot of people maintain the passion for your vision you know your sort of entrepreneurial spark but still cover enough of the bases of the uh, i'm going to call it grunt work for lack of a better term Mm. that you just need to do to to make it happen because you're always balancing this right and, and, you know, some of it is more fun than others and some of it's more exciting right. than others, but it, it, so it, is this something you address? I mean, you've got, you've got management level stuff, you've got leadership thing you got to do, you got coaching aspects, but then you also have, I'm going to call it administrative stuff, right? So how did, how do you think that fits into the whole picture here? Yeah. So I, you know, throughout my career, I've had a chance to spend a lot of time with with many different entrepreneurs and, and business owners, and specifically small business owners. You know, I started off in, in, in corporate America working for large companies. And I, I was very fortunate at a young age uh, to be working with a lot of small business owners, which ultimately led into uh, the relationship um, that led to me becoming a small business owner. I, I'm uh, part owner of a company. I'm partners with someone who I used to support when I was on the corporate side of of, of our business. And he and I, you know, developed a, a, a great working relationship back then. We maintained it for many many years. He's one of my closest friends. We are now business partners. Uh, but but throughout that, on the corporate side and on the small business side, I've, I've been exposed to a lot of different scenarios, and I've seen people run their businesses in different ways. And and what I've noticed the the companies that the, the the owners the entrepreneurs that seem to really get it are the ones that understand where they offer unique value in their companies it's like you know that michael gerber thing with the e-myth where he talks about the work E-myth, on yes. your business yeah work on your business not, not in your in business it. right yeah yes. because you know i mean with all these hats we're, we're, we're talking about you, you know you really have to those hats, their their roles, their responsibilities, and, and activities, tasks, all these things. But you got to figure out where do you possess the the most impactful um, skills, competence, expertise, 
and, and, you know, whatever else that can really move things forward in your business. And to your point, the magic happens when there's alignment between those things that you're really good at, that you really do add the most unique value and your passion. And what I would tell any business owners, once you identify that, embrace it, lean into it. But all those other roles, hats, whatever you want to call them, that don't fit that unique value you provide, you got to invest. You got to find people. You need to hire for those roles or whatever resources it takes. You know, and, and you know, I know some business owners that are they're they're great with sales and marketing. And you know what? That's what they should do. They should be the face of their company in that way. But they need to make sure that they've got the operations and administrative support. Oh, right. That's the key. Or yeah. the other side, I know some business owners, man, that's their strength. They are good at operations. They're good at numbers. And and they they but they for whatever reason, they've said, you know what, I'm also going to be the the you know um the sales and marketing presence for my business. Not only are they not good at it, but they spread themselves too thin. And 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 I understand that to invest and hire these other positions, it costs money. And it might mean for a certain amount of time, you'll make less net profit, right? But you do have to take that one step backwards in order to take two, three, 10, 50 steps forward. So that would be advice I would give to any entrepreneur. Find out your unique value. Just lean into that, but you got to be willing to invest in all those other things that need to get done by finding great people and supporting them. Fantastic advice. It really, it really is. Because having coached entrepreneurs and sometimes they're resisting, so I want to do this, I want to do this. Hey, my guest, Jeff Snavely. This is the Make the Great Podcast, your host, Steve Green. We're all about giving you actions, strategies to accelerate your journey to success. And I hope you've already gotten a lot of them today. Jeff, when you meet with an, a business owner mm-hmm. and you're coming and you're all fired up, you, I mean, you can tell just hearing you, 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 you believe in what you're doing. Uh, what's the kind of reception you get? I'm kind, I mean, are they like, oh my God, Jeff, I can't believe I didn't think of this already. Where have you been my whole business life? Uh, sometimes people push back because they resist. Um, what, what's been your experience? Well, you know, I've gotten both ends of it. I've gotten every end of the spectrum on this. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, and this was sort of a, this was a bit of my learning curve transitioning from corporate America into the small business world that all the things that I thought were important in corporate America, they, they don't always translate to small businesses. And I, and I've realized that in a small business and what I love most about it is you get to wake up every day. Mm-hmm. And focus on what does matter. And for me in my business, we're a service business. You know, we, we are a commercial floor and textile care company. I know that if we every day take care of our customers and our people, everything else falls into place. And you go, yeah, well, that, that's nice to say. What exactly does that mean? I, I would tell you, you know it when you see it. You know, and, and I, it, it, it has become very apparent to me over the years when you're working on something that doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And that's the litmus test. Is this helping our customers? Is this helping our people? You know, and if the answer to those questions is yes, keep going. But what I learned in in corporate America, in in a lot of cases, you would spend a lot of time on things that when you when you would ask those questions, you'd kind of it was either a maybe or a no, but I need to do it anyway. You could 
you could, as long as you look good doing something, you know, that's, that's what mattered. And, and that doesn't matter. So back to your question about, you know, interacting with, with other small business owners or business owners and entrepreneurs, what I've realized is that being pragmatic, um, um, being realistic and, and not worrying it's it's doing what you know is right and not really being so concerned with with um, the the way it's done or how it looks and and that's that's really been um, very refreshing for me over over the years because um, I didn't you know I didn't I'm an interesting entrepreneur in that I didn't start a business from scratch I invested my way into it you know which in a lot of ways is is good because I've I've got um, a, a unique perspective and even how I, um, how I see the business and, and, you know, having a, a different type of, I was institutionalized for many years, you know, working for large corporations and to be able to bring that into a small business environment has had its advantages. Do you, well, also, do you, yeah. I was going to ask you, how did that help you? Yeah. Because well, you, you one, had, you had a structured background. Yep. Yep. And one of the things you, you learn a lot about, uh, it, it, all, all, there was a tremendous amount of training, um, and, and learning, I had many mentors throughout, throughout that time, but you learn a lot about processes, you know, and you learn a lot about, um, um, the, the thing you learn a lot about ways to get things done, uh, in a very structured way. That's um, the corporate side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, because but what they're I, all about operational consistency. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, but what I've been able to do over the years is 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 be able to take some of that and distill it into a, a more manageable, digestible way for for our employee. Because there there are you know, within our business, we have people that have been with us, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus years. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we're a thirty plus year old business. We've got people that have been with us almost the whole time. They are small business people. You know, because they like to focus on the customer and, and their coworkers. Um, so you got to find a way to take these processes and techniques and, and methods that you know will make a difference in the business, but make it something they understand, um, make it something that they realize will make a difference. Um, and you're not just filling out a spreadsheet or, or completing a process um, because you were told to do so, you know, um, it, it needs to be things that are actionable, things that are meaningful and things that will they'll ultimately um, help. What, what advice, I mean, this might be one of our last questions, but what advice would you give somebody who isn't on the journey yet? Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe we got a, a high school student or a college student and they're still in that process, but they know they got the, the juice. You know, they know, Hey, when I get out, I want, I want to do something on my own. I want to at least give it a shot. Um, cause, cause some, most of what we've talked about here is, is maybe focused on people that are already in the game as it were. Right. These are already people swimming with the sharks, as they say. Yeah. What advice would you give somebody before, uh, like, like, okay, if you're going to go this path, what do you really have to consider? Or what do you really need to know? Or maybe something you could take a class in, or maybe a certain type of mentor like you <laughs> or me that they could search out. But what advice would you give a, 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 a wannabe business owner slash entrepreneur, uh, based on your experience and your perspective. And, and yeah. Now, you're, so, now your, now your uh, stature as a published author. Well, so <laughs> I, I'd sort of come full circle to where we started. 
I think finding your why is so important, you know, and, and not just not just your own why and your own greater purpose, but but really even with this idea of becoming an entrepreneur, you need to ask yourself why. The, what is it about being a business owner or an entrepreneur uh, that appeals to you, and why? You know, um, and and I and I think people that is a difficult question to answer. I think for anyone, you know. Um, it's, and it's the moving target. What it might well, be day one might not be the same a year later or even three months later it, as you get into the process. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I guess I guess it could change because, you know, my why, if I had gone through and done my why statement in Golden Circle in my 20s, might, mm -hmm. you know, have looked a lot different than it did in my in my and, 40s. And, there, and there's I don't think there's anything uh, not I'm not saying wrong. There's nothing unexpected about that as people go through different stages of their careers and they get different skill sets. Yeah. I think sometimes that's disturbing to people because they want stability. They want consistency, which is important. But when you're an entrepreneur, you got to be agile to at least yeah. to a degree. You got to be able to kind of take what's thrown at you. Um, yeah. And I, so, you know, and, there, and these biz businesses come about for a lot of different reasons. So if someone has like a really unique differentiated idea, Mm -hmm. whether it be a product or service that they want to innovate, introduce, create, you know, that will in many, in many cases, take you down a natural path towards entrepreneurship and, and, and having your own business. But if, if you have a career path that is something other than that, but you have this thought of, well, I want to work for myself. You hear that a lot from people. I want to work for myself or I want to be my own boss. I don't want to work. I don't want somebody telling me what to do. That's exactly or, right. So what I would challenge any of those people feeling that way, that is when you need to do some self-reflection and really find out what is your why. Because if you're choosing a career path um, because there's, there's, there's something you're trying to achieve with that profession, with that, that path that you're on, it might be that working for a company, you know, being an employee or being a leader within a company is the best way to deliver on that why. Or it might be that it's better to, to, to start your own business and, and do that. But I, you know, I think that um, I can, I, I can only talk about myself and my own experiences, the training, the learning, the relationships, the mentors that I got at a very young age, Man, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know, and those people and all, all those, all that support and all those resources, I use that stuff every day, you know, mm -hmm. now. And, and I, and I, I'm so grateful for it, you know, um, and I, I think I'm a better, you know, part owner of a well, business. So here, here's, here I think is the take home message. If you're a young entrepreneur or a young uh, one to be entrepreneur, trust me. And trust Jeff, it is invaluable to get good mentoring. Yes. To find good role models, to find people, leaders, whatever for noun you want to use. I'm going to say for whatever noun you want to use that you either want to model yourself after or will take you under the wing and teach you. It will shortcut years of time, it'll save you gazillions of dollars going down the wrong trail. Um, and I presume there's also a mindset, which we're not really going to get into heavily, but I think that's where you're coming from in this book a little bit as well. Yep. From, what I, from our conversation, 
Um, yeah, when I, you know, it's interesting. I remember when I, when I, when I started writing the book, and I, I uh, the uh, my my coach, um, agent, whatever you want to call it, the 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 individual that helped me sort of uh, take a manuscript and turn it into a finished book. You know, he asked me at one point early on. He said, "Well, you know, what are your goals with 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 the book?" And I said, "Well, well, yeah, but I, you know, I said, um, you know, I, I I'm not doing this to sell books." He's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well." You know, I gave him my whole the whole spiel I just gave you about my why and, and really, you know, using this as a way to make a positive difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, that's I've never heard. I've never talked to an author that wasn't in writes a book just to be positive. Yeah, because I said something <laughs> like, I don't care if I sell any books. And, and but it was it was really good because he said, well, look, look at it this way. The more books you sell, the more people you can help, because otherwise it's a tree. Yeah, fall well, that, yeah that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'll yeah. tell you this. I, I, I one of the things I do in my business is I help people develop products, books, ebooks, audio books. Hmm. And and repurpose them. So if you write a regular book, you might want to turn it into an audio book. These are things I do with people. Sure. And I say, there are three things you can do to capitalize on this. One is increase your stature as a subject matter expert. Just writing a book. Yep. All of a sudden, you're an expert. Well, Jeff, you got a book. Oh, my God. You must know what you're talking about. I mean, right, I assume right. you do, but it's a perception. Two, it builds brand. Okay? Builds brand. And three, you can monetize it. And it may actually be in that order. Selling books is not easy. Believe me, I sold a lot of them. It, it, yeah. It's not like it's not like selling Girl Scout cookies in front of a front of the church. I mean, you got to convince people it's worth 10 bucks, 20 bucks. People, I'm not selling my book for a lot of money. You got to convince people it's worth taking home. Yeah, um, no but, but the brand building, the stature, the uh, the elevation of, of maybe you in, in a certain circle that is really invaluable. So think about this, entrepreneurs, as a way to elevate what you're doing. Jeff, anything you want to bring up that we haven't gotten to yet before we go into our wrap up here? There's one thing I wanted to mention because you touched on men. We both talked about mentors. Touched on it a second ago. One of the greatest learnings I ever got from a mentor. This was a couple decades ago. It's mm-hmm. after I had got my first quote unquote management job, you know. Okay. And he pulled me aside and and he said to me, uh, "You're struggling with this. Why?" And I said, I don't know. I'm in my 20s, and a lot of people on my team they're older than me. And I don't. Know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, the, the idea of being a manager really made me uncomfortable. And he said, Look at it this way. He said, You manage the business, you lead the team, and you coach the individual. And, and that has stuck with me for over 20 years. Say that again, because that was really good. You manage the business, you lead the team and you coach the individual. And if you think about each of those roles, they are incredibly different, right? And and knowing when and how to do each of those things is is so, if you can figure it out, it's powerful because you really can't manage people, right? You, you, You coach people and you lead teams and you're managing the business and, and it's not semantics. That's not a play on words. I'm not trying to be mm-hmm. tricky. No, but it's just completely true. And, and yeah, people and are so not going to follow somebody they don't believe is, is not a good leader and can't help them. Yeah. They're not going to follow somebody down a, a path that they don't want to go to. Right. And I, and I mentioned mm-hmm. this because I, if I'm thinking about the people in your audience and whether they're, you know, in the process of starting a business or they're, or they're you know, they're down the road, like, like, like we've been talking about, Mm-hmm. That is such an important concept 
because ultimately you are going to have to, you are going to be hiring people and employing people and, and dealing with people. And I think you need to be able to, to distinguish, you know, what is your um, relationship and role with those individuals versus, you know, the teams they're part of within, within mm-hmm. your organization. And then ultimately, you know, how should you be looking at, at the business, um, you know, relationship that you have? Um, so yeah, I, I think that is a really important concept for, there, for people. Uh, I, somebody told me a long time ago when I started my business. And let, but let me say this first: recognize people that people that might be the best mentors for you before you start your business might not be the same best mentors for you two years in. Yeah, and they might be totally different than five years in, and they might all be different than twelve years in. As yeah. you develop, evolve, and you you uh, grow as an entrepreneur you're going to need to adjust where you get your advice from because you're going to, you, look, you don't want to take advice from somebody who never had a business when you're a five year old. So you got to constantly find people. It's like playing any sports. Like if you play tennis, you always want to play somebody better than you. Yep. You want to learn guitar or whatever. You got to learn from somebody who's better than you. And in, in mentorship, it's the same thing in coaching. And you got to be a little careful. You get advice, but Jeff, where do people get your book? How do they get your book? Is well, it, the uh, easy, the easiest the easiest way to do it is, is on Amazon. Um, I do, I have a website. My website is disruptivediscovery.com and that, you know, what a shock considering that's the title of the book. Yes. You want to learn about about (laughs) very clever. Great. See, the guy's a marketing genius. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's on Amazon. They could search uh, disruptive technology, uh, disruptive discovery. I'm sorry. Disruptive discovery. And you got a site as well. Yep. Yep. And do you have I, any, look, anything else you want to plug? Like, do you have a workshop? Do you have a, uh, a giveaway? No, look, if something I, you want to go ahead. Hey, I clean floors for a living, right? And so, okay. again, this whole book was not a means to an end. It is not going to help me clean more floors. Yeah, but, but you have positioned yourself in a in a role as a like it or not as a semi mentor, right? So, if, so let's say somebody reads your book and they say, "Man, this guy Jeff, he has helped me like no no tomorrow." Um, maybe you might want to consider that. Hey, yeah, this is the Make the Grade podcast. My guest, Jeff Snavely, author, business owner, experienced mentor to many. Jeff, you want to play everybody's favorite game on the Make the Grade podcast? The Fave yeah. Five. Okay, I love I think it. I know the answer to one already, but I don't want to, no spoilers here. All right. So I'm going to throw out a uh, topic. You just tell me the first thing comes around, your favorite thing. Okay. My so favorite. An easy one. Your favorite, th- I'm going to say something. You tell me your favorite thing in that category. Well, I'll say the cl- cliche thing and say my family, right? But well, it, no, 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 no. I haven't even, I haven't given you a category yet. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I thought that By the way, I, I forgot to mention this to bio. Jeff's marriage got a beautiful wife. Is it Catherine or Kathleen? Catherine, yeah. And my, my daughters, Ella and Alice. Two little yeah. girls. How old are they? How old are uh, Both teenagers. So 13 yeah, and 15. Yeah. That should be a nice, peaceful household there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and no cats, dogs, just uh, Oh, yeah. We got cats, a dog. We got it all. We've had hands. Li- you are TV. living the American dream, my friend. Um, yeah, okay. I, I got two boys. So I, I did not raise girls, but I, uh, I got neighbors who did, and they're, they're pulling their hair out sometimes. Anyway, uh, but it, it's all beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. Um, by the way, they're coming up pretty soon, and you're going to need some SAT prep, maybe. Talk to me. Anyhow, okay. Ready? Yeah. The first yeah. one's easy. Color. Purple. Oh, purple. Purple. Somebody said that a few days ago. Food or dessert? Oh, man. Um, you're in Maryland. Well, I know, but I love, I love North my, Carolina. 
I love my sweets. I love decadent sweets. So you give so me you got one uh, purple red velvet cake, something like that. You go. Yeah, I mean, just any the more decadent, the better. Like mm -hmm. these days, you know what I love these days with 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 one of my daughters, we get crumble cookies. Have you had crumble cookies? Have you heard of those? Okay, I don't know those. It sounds Maybe. like a lot of sugar, but tell oh me about man. It. Yeah, check out <laughs> check out Crumble. They Crumble cookies, rich decadent cookies, but cookies, brownies, anything sweet. We were we, we were one time on a cruise, and I forget the ship. I think it was the Summit. I think it was the Celebrity Summit, but I might be wrong. And they had a specialty restaurant on the cruise, and you had to make a reservation to be in this restaurant. And there was this dessert called the Chocolate Bomb, but it was in mm. French. Yeah, like Le Bomb Chocolat, maybe. And you actually had to tell them that morning if you wanted. It took nine hours to make this dessert. Oh, yeah. It, it was like it was like a ball of chocolate the size of a softball. I mean, it, it yeah. was like as big as your head. And then it was like a hole in the top. And they poured like orange liqueur in and brandy. And then they lit it on fire in front of you. So it melted kind of like it looked like a volcano. And it melted. And then the chocolate, it, it was decadent it, it, with like, uh, all capital letters. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I, you yeah. know, I'm convinced there might not be anything better on this planet than like a Dairy Queen blizzard. I, you know, I <laughs> keeping it simple. There you yeah. go. All right. This, this might be a little more time. Favorite place to vacation? Oh, uh, we have, uh, we spent a lot of time in Lewis, Delaware. Uh, we've got yeah. investment properties there. We, we love Lewis, Delaware. Um, so I always think of Lewis. Having grown up in New Jersey, that's the other end of the ferry. That's right. That's exactly right. Louis Ferry. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah, nice, I was yeah. at a wedding. It's a nice, it's yeah. a nice short town. Nice beach. The town. places we, so I, I hope uh, what I, my favorite vacation, my favorite place to vacation is where we haven't been yet. We really want to go to Alaska and we want to do, uh, you know, a South Africa trip at some point. So those are, I hope I will, I will be able to answer that question differently one day. Now you tell me in your bio here, you've accused of having really bad taste in music. <laughs> so what's your favorite kind of music? All right. Well, this so, guy, what do you got? What do you, so here, what I'll tell you down here? Kind of quick story. So when I was a kid, um, uh, my mother is uh, was the biggest Neil Diamond fan on the planet. I mean, she oh, Neil loved Diamond. Neil Diamond. It's okay. It's pop. So, but she, when I was five years old, um, she let me, she took me to the record store back when there were record stores and she let me pick out mm -hmm. an album, my first album ever, Kiss, Love Gun, right? And then from there, I went on to get every exactly. Kiss album. Neil I Diamond, went to my first but... Kiss concert when I was eight years old. So if you were to take Neil Diamond and Kiss and put them in a blender, that's that's the music stuff that goes Ooh, on in my head. I'm trying so. to think that would even sound like. Oh yeah, no, it's yeah. So, uh, but you know, I, the the '80s hair bands, you know, um, mm. the the glam rock that was like you know. Poison. Oh yeah, man, Poison, Motley uh, Crue, Bon Motley Jovi. Crew. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. That's yeah, yeah, that's it's true. Still, that's still, uh, you know, top forty music in Wilmington. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Well, well, probably may be. <laughs> All right, there you go. Um. Next one, bucket list. You kind of already said it, but what's on your bucket list? Alaska, which is yeah for, for for trips. Yeah, for sure. Uh, about about uh, professional. How about like just life? Anything else? Anything you really need to do? You know, I've never been a bucket list person for whatever reason. I just um, um, that is. Right, let, let me give you. Let me give you an easy one. Let me give you an easy one. Cats or dogs. 
That's a tough. I thought that'd be I, well, easy. No, because I, I, my, my natural inclination would be to say a dog. That's usually if, what guys say. Okay, we, well, I know, and yeah, and maybe that's why I'm fighting my 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 inner masculinity. But we got uh-uh. cats a couple of years ago, uh-huh. and I got to tell you, I I I enjoy those cats mostly because I see the joy that they bring to my so my daughters and, and my wife. But I, you know. Um, I, I think I've become a cat person if I had to pick between the two. Well, you, you're talking to the proud uh, parent of two cats. So yeah, not that I, I don't like I, dogs. I love dogs too. And I, and I donate a lot of time and funds to animal shelters. Hey, here's a tough one. Here's a tough okay. one for you. I like that. What's your favorite podcast? <laughs> make, make the grade. Hey, oh, correct answer. <laughs> Yeah. And I, if I, if I can give a shout out another, uh, I've done, what, what is it? Yeah. So workplace innovator, uh, host is Mike Petrusky. He's uh, become a really good, good friend of mine. And I think he's doing great, great things for, for the workplace. And that's, you know, that's, that's very important for my business because, um, you know, um, those are our clients, people working in, in commercial office buildings and then within the workplace. But I think that is a fantastic podcast. Dude, I, I can't think of the name of it, but there's a Jimmy Buffett song about people who go to kiss concerts. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, but I can't think of the title. I can't think of the name of the song. I was eight wanna... years old. That's bad parenting. I went with my parents to the, the they were at the, spe- at the spectrum in Philadelphia. Not, uh, the, the spectrum, man. Yeah. You're going way back. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, rock and roll all night. Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you a quick story. My niece, remember um, Brandy? That is like pop. No, no, no. It's an artist named Brandy. It was like a girl. And by the way, oh, went yeah. to the senior prom with Kobe Bryant when he was at Lower Marion. So Brandy, Wow. was doing a concert tour of malls around the United States. Instead of being in the arenas like the Spectrum or wherever, she was in malls. So who's going to go to see Brandy? Like these 12-year-old girls. So yeah. my sister calls me up. She says, you know, my niece, my, she's my daughter, who's my niece, wants to go to see this concert. Can you take her? I'm like, sure. You know, I don't spend much time with my niece. It'd be great. Because my sister didn't want to go. <laughs> basically so i you know they, she drops her off well where's you know concerts it was at east brunswick mall in new jersey at the time right. i was at rutgers i was in new brunswick i was working at rutgers we go there's like five thousand screaming 12 and 13 year olds screaming i'm not i'm not even saying yeah. like oh, yeah. i'm something yeah. like shrieking like earplugs needed her big hit uh there was a couple of them but one was um i think i'm alone now which was actually an older, like Tommy James sang the song. Think on. Well, uh, yeah, and, and didn't Think Tiffany do that song too? Yeah, a lot of people have done it, but that was her big yeah. hit. So she comes out. There's like hype, and they're screaming and yelling. She comes out, sings like three songs, and everybody's like, "That's it." Um, yeah, that's that was that wasn't my first concert. My niece's first concert. So every time we see her, we're always talking about that. I always say, "Does your t- taste change in music?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm anyway, sure let's close out with this here, folks. You're going to have to suffer through this, whether you like it or not. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Here we go. Hang on. <laughs> there we go. Oh, 
on the way to victory. Oh, I feel like I'm at the link. <laughs> there you go. See, you don't hear that on every podcast, folks, no. especially and, and after you get the kind of information you got here from Jeff. Jeff, thanks for having some fun with me here. But more importantly, uh, thanks for really bringing some value. Please reach out to Jeff if you got questions. Believe me, it's you do not want to take this trip alone if you don't have to. When you got people who are providing information and providing mentoring and providing experience like he is and a lot of other people do, including myself, take advantage of it. Buy his book, support it, but more importantly, learn from it. Jeff, anything you want to say in closing? I'm going to give you the last no. word here because I talked too much. Thank you so much. Uh, this, this, again, this was an honor. I enjoyed this tremendously. Yeah, there we go. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you. Hey, folks, Make the Grade podcast, Dr. Stephen Green. Back at you next time with another fascinating guest, or maybe just me. <laughs> what order this will come out in. But, uh, Jeff, thanks again. I appreciate you taking some time with me. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.